So today we are joined by Joanne Lamont, Scottish Labour MSP for Glasgow, um, whom she has been representing since 1999. Joanne was an English teacher for 20 years before first being elected to Parliament. In September of 2016, Joanne Lamont visited Bosnia-Herzegovina with a lessons from Srebrenica delegation. When talking of the people that she met in Srebrenica, Joanne said, we will take back their stories and their experiences to help us share the lessons learned with our own communities. Joanne Lamont, welcome to the podcast and thank you for joining me today. Thank you. And can we start just by you telling me a bit about your visit to Srebrenica, please? Sure. Um, I went out to Bosnia in 2016. I'd first become interested um, when Robert McNeil, who is um, a trustee of Remembrance Srebrenica Scotland, um, had an exhibition in the Parliament of his paintings. And they were so powerful, and he spoke about his experiences to me, um, that when the, the, the commemoration in July took place, I, I accepted the invitation to go along. And there heard, heard from um, Nezad Alcic, his mm. testimony about what had happened to him. So when I was given the opportunity to go out, I, I found it a huge privilege um, to go. And the impact has been with me ever since. Um, simply because the events in 1995 that are commemorated, I lived through them. I was an adult, mm. and yet by 2016, the detail of it had gone, the causes of it had probably never really been understood. And I thought that something that happened on the European mainland in a country that I had been on holiday to just a couple of years before, that people were slaughtered on my birthday, which is July the 11th, just simply a month after my daughter was born, that these things could be happening at the same time and that I didn't know the detail of it. So that visit was unbelievably powerful for me and it is to our shame as an international community that we don't know what happened, that people don't properly appreciate what has happened. And I um, applaud all those who have personal testimony through the pain of that, that they have given us that that um, knowledge and that desire for us to know what happened, but also all those who, through all the different charities and campaigning groups, have made it their mission to make sure that we do understand properly. Mm. How much do you remember of, at the time, how it was reported in the 90s? So I remember... I remember the disintegration of Yugoslavia, mm-hmm. not particularly remembering why. In fact, I was watching um, old football matches the other night, and I'm not quite sure which year it was. But Denmark won, the, I think it was the European Championships, because Yugoslavia um, had qualified, but then were not able to take up the place because of the conflict. And so I remembered these things, but I'd forgotten them. I also remember the emaciated... Uh, the pictures of emaciated men in concentration camps, have an awareness of there was a war. But I think, and I remember some journalists, being like Alan Little and others, reporting mm-hmm. and trying to bring it to um, our attention. But I think, looking back, it was, well, the Balkans is really very complicated. Mm-hmm. It always was. Historically, we know it's all really complicated, all these reasons countries within you but Yugoslavia have been quite independent from the Soviet Union and so on. But not um 
really appreciating that it was possible that it wasn't just all these people falling out with each other. I do think there was an element of simple racism about it, that we didn't take the trouble to understand who were the perpetrators, mm. who were the aggressors, and who were the victims, because it was all a bit complicated. That's what happened in that, that part of the world, and I think that's to a shame. I also remember having a sense of um, that the United Nations were helpless, and I do remember that, as, that they weren't able to do anything. And that's something that I've wrestled with all my adult life, is trying to understand what is the role for the international community when there's those kinds of conflicts. Mm. And there must be a role. It can't simply be that we step back and, and don't take any action. And I think we have, um, as citizens, now still need to have a much more serious conversation about when we see atrocities, when we know that atrocities are happening and being reported across the world, what is the role for the international community? Or are we simply saying we don't have, we will never intervene? And I, I think that's a conversation possibly subsequent to big conflicts that have, have happened at, you know, in more recent times that we have um, pushed away from. So that's interesting. Do you feel like there's a an international responsibility on, say, both an individual and a collective level? I do. I think at an individual level we have the obligation to to try and understand. I mean, I suppose the modern equivalent is really Syria, which yeah. is hugely complicated at a geopolitical level. But we also know that at an individual level, people are, people are coming to this country, they're settling in places like Rossi or whatever, not through choice. They've been driven from their homes. And I I feel, you know, I'm not arguing that at every point we need to think about when does the United Nations intervene militarily or whatever, mm. but we have to at least ask the question. Because I think what happened in um, Sarajevo was be- and, and Bosnia and, and um, in Srebrenica was happening in plain sight. Mm-hmm. and. What, what did what did we as individuals or um, as communities, what did countries coming together um, think needed to be done there? I think <clears throat> maybe there's a time. I think we've stopped having a conversation about the role of the United Nations, mm. and it's partly because of the conflict at, um, at you know amongst the big powers and so on. But I also think that we as individuals we 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 don't want war. We don't we don't want war. We don't want to go to war. I'm not arguing that we should. But we do need to think about how we protect communities that are under siege. Mm. And I haven't got the answer to that, but it's one of the big questions. How could it possibly be that Sarajevo was under siege um, is it for 43 months? Mm. And it didn't... What, what, what was the conversation going on at the time about how that could possibly be acceptable? Mm. You know, Sarajevo, where the... I loved the Olympics, the Winter Olympics, so I remember it. Um, and, you know, the fact that we were in holiday um, in Yugoslavia, maybe just in the late 80s, and that somehow, yes, people stopped going on holiday to Yugoslavia, but did we really start thinking about why that had happened? And I think that is, you know, we owe it to the people who suffered in the way they did um, to to respect what happened to them and find a way that it's part of our shared 
understanding of the history of our, of, of our communities, that this is what happened not very far away, not very long ago. Um, you know, my, my, my daughter's just a young adult. It happened a month after that particular terrible um, tragedy happened. Just She was only a month old. So we're not talking something a long, long time ago. It's, it's not even like an old person's lived memory like mine, but it is within the lifetime um, of young people who are now coming into adulthood. Mm. And what impact did this trip have on you? It was, um, it was just, uh, very difficult to find the right words. Mm. Huge emotional impact on me. Um, at a personal level, the group that I went with were just a delightful group of people, thoughtful. So you're coming together with people you don't know, mm. um, or you may have heard of them, or you know a little about them, and go through that experience together. So it's, it's very much an individual, but also the power of the group in those circumstances is quite an interesting dynamic because you're able just to share your feelings and and, and so on. Um, it just... So it, the, the, the factual information about Sarajevo as a city, which is very beautiful, what happened there, what it had been like before, um, going to visit the... the you know, where the forensic work is done round the, the mass graves, going to Srebrenica itself. Just such a beautiful country. Mm. Um, Srebrenica reminded me, the day we were there, it was kind of a bit misty, cloud was at quite low, and it reminded me so much of Dunkeld, of all places, same kind of light. And I'm thinking, if this can happen here, it can happen in Dunkeld, it can happen in Scotland, it can happen anywhere. And that was, I think, the very because it's such a beautiful country, mm-hmm. um, and just like, you know, just with an uh, one level, just an ordinary history, just like other places, but had hosted this terrible genocide. Um, and I guess, like, as I've said before, in terms of hearing testimony, there is nothing more powerful than testimony. So when people go through, the, you know, the um, one of the mothers of Srebrenica telling a story, um, Nizad telling a story, Hassan Hazanovic telling a story. At one level, it's just a very powerful story. Mm. But when you see the person who's lived through it, living again and telling you that story, that just, I found that overwhelming. And I think, I also think that the, the, the importance of the kindness we need to have for, for survivors because they, they, every time they tell their story, they live it again. It's not just an, a challenging and, and thought-provoking story. It is their life. It was what their life was. And I certainly uh, believe very strongly that that testimony has to be heard. And the, you know, I'm beyond uh, in awe of those who have survived and have still found the ability not to hate, but to make sure that we know and understand. What did you learn about yourself from this trip? Um, I think that it confirmed for me something I've always really believed. I, I was a, I studied history. Um, I was a history teacher. My own family come from the islands. They're from the uh, a wee island called Tyree, mm. and I always related 
So the story of the clearances in Scotland was very powerful for me because you could see the physical evidence of it on the island that my parents were brought up on. It shaped the, the kind of political landscape as well as the just the, the land itself. So I've always been really interested in seeing history through the eyes of those who lived it. And I've always been interested that who gets to tell what actually happened. Mm. Um, and I guess that it made me feel even more strongly than I ever had before, that if you have a, if you have a voice, if you've got the privilege of having a voice, you need to use it. Um, and just a, a, a personal emotional level, it just it, it, it brought home to me, I think, that it's one thing to read the newspaper and to listen to the news, but we really need to be a bit more attentive when we listen to news. I think I felt a bit, I do feel ashamed that in 2016, I had really forgotten the detail of what happened. Mm. It was, you know, it hadn't, it, it hadn't, it hadn't stayed with me in the way in which other terrible things that I've read about historically have stayed with me. And I think that uh, that that visit um, just, you know, made me realise if I hadn't realised it before that so much can be lost about why things happen. Oh, it's too complicated. Balkan's really difficult, so we have a job task why. Um and it just at another level it sounds it was just it was it was it was an experience that I am hugely grateful um to have gone through. Mm-hmm. I'm very privileged to with the people that were there who were just absolutely delightful and when you talk about people saying oh it's too complicated or they brush the conversation away how do you challenge that well I think we also have to I mean I I do think that um, I think a lot of our politics now is about picking a side and then assuming that everything on the other side is good Everything is black and white. So if you're absolutely sure um, that that's what you think, you don't need to think about it too deeply. You just take that view. And actually, what seemed to have been happening um, in the Balkans wasn't what was happening. That it is possible to identify looking back, and people with great more learning and understanding than I have done this, that how did the thing develop? What was actually happening in, in communities where people were being othered, where they were being, um, you know, the friendships were broken, um, uh, sort of messages about what people were like were beginning to be fed through that whole, you know, when we went to the museum and, and, and visited and saw that, you know, it just was a conflict day one, there was a war. This was insidious and had been going on for a very long time. And um, so when it, when people, I now feel that uh, I just have a responsibility to say, you need to understand this. And the same as other tragedies and, and, and you know, genocides in our history, I say to people, you need to think a little bit more about this, understand this, read this testimony. So and I suppose, um, you know, that is really my, feel my contribution. But, and of course, the thing is, that um, 
where people have very strong opinions, perhaps on some of the major conflicts in, in recent years. The biggest problem about um, the question of Bosnia and uh, Srebrenica is that people don't know. Mm. They'll say, oh, I didn't realise that. So I kind of feel I would a job just simply to, you know, perhaps through whatever way I can, providing opportunities for people to hear more about what actually happened. No, I just want to say that uh, again, just to underline how much, how much we owe to those who uh, continue to tell their story, and how much of a responsibility we have to make sure that that story has been told. Um, that it's not in vain, that people will understand properly what happened, to learn the lessons from it and not let this happen or try to do whatever we can to create societies where this, that level of conflict does not develop. And we have a responsibility, I think, to challenge those who would you know, talk about dismissed groups of people, um, whether out of you know, despising somebody's religion or faith or, or where they come from. Hmm. Joanne, thank you very much for your time today. Thank you.